I'm your host, Jeff Hall, with me, as always, my good man, my good friend. Patrick Terry. Yeah, it's kind of a low-key intro today. (laughs) I don't know why, but I had this weird dream in which I was... We were I was with somebody and they were play they played our podcast. This is in mm. the dream, so it's very kind of weird. And then it the it was me butchering the intro. I know, so it's not really that far out of reality. But that, it was, that's all it was. how I butchered it. <laughs> yeah. And it made me laugh and I'm like and even in my dream I'm like, Yeah, we really need to work on getting a scripted version and record it and then put it at the front. But <laughs> I woke up because I woke up and it, that's the first thing it made me think of. I just started cracking up or just laughing because I was like, wow, it's pretty sad when your subconscious is telling you you need to get a scripted intro. Right. <clears throat> Let's slip this in there. Come yeah. on now. <sighs> Crack me up. How are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Um, this past weekend, the results were finally... Um, no longer held hostage. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, what was it? Election day five? Something like election week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, well, I saw something that said, uh, you know, this election is the most 2020. The election results, you know, pretty much symbolize 2020, where, where one day really feels like five. Yeah. <laughs> they literally They're did. Five days to have one day. Yeah. Right. That's a, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I wasn't surprised that it was like, it's either going to be Friday or Saturday. Yeah. One of those two days. I, and I wasn't, I, yeah. And I, like I had told you, I did myself a favor and just about midday Tuesday after I got my pre or my, I guess my monthly uh, required COVID test, not because I had any symptoms, but because of our job, we were required to go get one. Yeah. After I got that and I was walking back, I checked the, Check the Twitter, and then I was like, all right, I think I'm done. I'm going to do myself a favor. I'm going to stay off social media. Mm-hmm. I'm going to not, like, that's, like, all the formats. I'm, so I'm just going to stay off of that and do myself an emotional and mental <laughs> favor and do that. Because no, all it's going to do is just create anxiety that I don't need in my life, any more anxiety that I need in my life right now. Yeah. And then, of course, Ruth was wanting to watch the results that night, and she's over there, just a, a ball of nerves and anxiety. I'm over on, I'm sitting next to her, I've got the office on on my iPad with my headphone in. So we're watching all this other stuff. I'm like, I'm enjoying myself. I'm like, I knew we weren't going to find anything out that night. Right. So for me, there was no use for me watching it. Because, yeah. again, it's not going to do anything but give me, you know, it's because even... In past elections, I've come to realize it's it doesn't do you any good. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like watching a sports game. You could pretty much or watching a NASCAR race. There we go. Better analogy. Okay. You could watch a NASCAR race. You can miss all but the last ten laps and still feel like you've gotten everything you need to get to out of it. Right. Because in the end, there's nothing you can do. And there's really nothing that's going to happen other than maybe a fight or, or a huge wreck, which you can always catch the highlights of. True. There's no, the really nothing matters until the very end, because that'll determine the winner. Right. About say most sporting events, that's not the case, but you know it's because baseball or hockey or even football, um, things can happen at the very early part of the game, and then nothing happens the rest of the game. Right. So. <clears throat> basketball, you kind of it's back and forth so much that it's stuff's gonna happen. Yeah. So NASCAR, I felt was my safest analogy on that. So I'm like, I'm not wasting my time with this. So yeah. I I watched The Office. Grayson watched The Office. <laughs> when she took a bath, she took her iPad and she watched The Office. We had two, you know, we were supporting our. <laughs> and then, you know, come Wednesday, I didn't do anything different. You know, I just. Still stayed off, and it actually did me a lot of good personally. Yeah. Um. So I might start doing that more often. Just kind of take four days where now. Granted, I was on to, I did get on to post. I think I did one out of all those days. I think I did one of our little trivia things. 
yeah. for the page. Uh, I think I did how. Yeah. 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 I did V for Vendetta, yeah. and that was the only one I've done. Yeah. Um, part of it was time. The other part was just I was staying off. And then, um, yeah, I think that was it. And then uh, posting the trailers for the stuff I was going to be talking about. Okay. Otherwise, I didn't get on until last night or yesterday afternoon, which turned out to be good because I ended up uh, finding out that our friends at Strange South were having a, a face. Well, they were doing like Facebook. They were doing a live podcast, essentially, via Facebook Live and Twitch and YouTube. Um, so we watched I, would, I watched half of it on my iPad, and the second half we put up on the TV because Grayson was watching Ghostbusters. So it was a great episode. After talk was good. I got to drop in some movie knowledge, and they uh, they gave us a shout out, which is very nice of them. And then um, yeah, that was it. That was the most I'd been on social media in almost a week. It was nice. I might like I said, I might try and start doing that more often. Yeah. Unless it's like podcast related, and then I just drop whenever it needs to be dropped, and then get right back off, and it works out great. Drop, but yeah, uh, did do the do the ghost, the uh, smoke bomb, and yes, make your exit. Yeah, Batman. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Here's my information. Bye bye. Deuces. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> other than that, yeah, I mean, uh, York and I finished Fury Seven, and we started uh, Fate of the Furious. Okay. So we're I would say we're on the last one, but I would say we're on the most recent, not including, I mean, if you don't include the spinoff. So we're going to try and finish that today. Okay. Uh, we'll have the spinoff, so. I don't think I'll watch that one, because I, I was, you know, Seven was like the, the good send-off. It, it so. is a good send-off, but Eight still is good. Like, it's, okay. you don't feel like, I mean, you miss Brian, but really, it's, there's... No, it's still you gotta watch it, bro. It's it's really good. Not, I think it's on it's on Hulu now. Okay, I mean, I've seen on FX or something like that. Okay, because you know the previews. I'm like, I know it's ridiculous, over the top stuff. Like, you know, like all the others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. It just felt weird watching it. I thought they should have ended it. They went on into their spinoffs and whatnot, but I mean, if you think about will. it, that's kind. Of, you could just think about it as as eight is just the start of a new spin, like a a new series, like they started over. Yeah. Kind of, like not really rebooted, reboot. but they just yeah. They just uh yeah, soft one. Because they introduced uh, Scott Eastwood, uh, Mr. Nobody's uh, protege, I guess you could say. So yeah. Nobody Junior, I think, is what they call him. Um, he's like, yeah, don't call me that. <laughs> but. Uh, no, he's a good addition. I actually like him. And uh, and they bring both back, bring back both Shaw brothers are in it. Helen Mirren plays the mom. So yeah, and one of the dudes from Game of Thrones, the, one of the dudes from Game of Thrones is in it. As one of the henchmen, as one of Charlie Theron's henchmen. So. Okay. Plus, yeah, there's there's the Rock trying to kick away a, a submarine torpedo on ice. I mean. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Plus, the soap opera aspect just gets so much better in this, in number eight, okay. too. You're like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Because the soap opera aspect is why Dom turns. So, it's good stuff. Good stuff. <clears throat> I won't spoil it because I want you to watch it and get back to me. I'm sure then, I will because uh, I got to watch that before the new one comes out yep. so whenever whenever it comes out <laughs> exactly and then um we're gonna wa- we'll watch Hobbs and shaw i guess next week and then i'm gonna think i'm gonna make him watch the dirt butt kid did you ever see that from the 80s with uh with uh peter billingsley Mm-mm. basically yeah. the you find his, somehow the i forgot how it, it actually occurs but the his dirt bike peter billingsley's dirt bike winds up like with the mind of its own Mm-hmm. It's a very Disney movie, but it's on Prime, I think. Okay. It's like a Disney movie without it being owned by Disney. But yeah, it's a uh, it's good stuff. So, um, so I would recommend. Uh, yeah, I used to watch that when I was a kid and saw that it was on Prime. Like I was like, oh, I bet York might like this. Yeah. Oh, Grayson might even like it. But, um, so we'll probably start with that one. 
All right, man. Uh, <clears throat> should we get into it? Yep. Let's go ahead and yep. Let's get on get on into this. All right, bro. It's it's all you. All right. So I watched an old a movie from 1981 called Student Bodies. Um, it's weird because it's a movie that's stuck with me since I watched it, even though I realized I hadn't watched the whole thing, just the intro to it. Um, <clears throat> I had a runtime of an hour and 26 minutes. The director is Mickey Rose, and then uncredited as uh, Michael Ritchie, and it's starring Kristen Ritter as Toby Badger, Matt Goldsby as Hardy, Cullen Chambers as Charles Ray, and then the, I guess the, the, the horror villain of this movie, the breathers played, or at least voiced by Richard Belzer, which I didn't know until. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so had a box office earned of 5.2 million. And it's about a serial killer with a signature heavy breathing that proceeds to systematically kill students and teachers at Lomab High School. Uh, this is the first film to satirize the slasher genre. And even though it's satire, it does very much feel like a horror movie with the way it's shot, some of the mm-hmm. angles and the move, yeah. and the, move the music in it. Uh, but it just has a silly story and plot and how everything's executed. So Let's what see. year did you say it came out? 1981. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be older than Saturday the 14th then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. So the the basic way the victims are killed is like the same setup every time. The couple starts to get into uh, active intimacy and the male partner will leave for whatever reason, either to get necessary items or take a shower or whatever. And while he's gone, the breather will hit the scene and take out the vic- the female victim with a very ridiculous item, either a paperclip a wooden uh, horse head bookend, an eggplant, or a chalkboard eraser. Those are like the three items. Okay. Four items used. Um, and then when the, the male partner comes back, he is simply placed in a trash bag because for whatever reason, men can't survive in a trash bag for more than three minutes and then they'll just die. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. And also, the killer likes to call by phone and harass its victims. Um, there's even one part where he calls one of the teachers, and she's asking him, like, where is he calling from? Because he sounds weird. And he's like, well, I just decided to talk through a rubber chicken. And the teacher's like, oh, yeah, you do sound like you're talking to a rubber chicken. And just, <laughs> just weird, weird banter back and forth. So you think that's probably where they got that the idea for that for uh, Scream? Probably, more than likely. Probably, yeah. They definitely watched it. Uh, and then the lead character, Kobe, always gets accused. She gets accused of being the killer because she just happens to be at the scene when the bodies are discovered. And so she's trying to go through it, proving that she's not the one behind it. OK. And then. the So the everything after the first scene, I had never watched the one. The, the first scene that I that stuck with me was where you have the babysitter which is on the phone with her friend, which is where I feel they got the idea for Scream and then Scary Movie, yeah. where, you know, she's talking to her friend, which happens to be Toby, and Toby's telling her, like, you know, she's always warned her friends not to have sex, you know, because... Right. And so she, once she gets off the phone with her, the phone rings, she answers it, and you hear the, the breather just breathing heavily. And the first time she hangs up and picks back up, and he's like, uh, I said, and continues breathing heavily. <laughs> <laughs> and then it happens a couple more times even to the point of um like spit or saliva coming through the receiver yeah. while she's on while she picks up and um when the killer does finally make its way to the to the house he goes to this desk and it has like four or five weapons you have a, a, a axe several yeah. knives a gun but he chooses a box of paper clips as his murder weapon Okay. So, yeah. Just flay them uh, into people's mouths and they choke on them. Well, I mean, that would work too. But he lit yeah. like, <laughs> um, when they finally reveal that he took out the babysitter, he literally just poked several paper clips in her face, and Ooh. she's got that, you know, that stunned, surprised like, death look. <laughs> it's like Pinhead, but paper. I'm about to say, <laughs> I'm about to say, so they're making a 
it's like the wish, it's like the wish version of pinhead yeah yeah <laughs> right exactly you ordered from wish this is what you received um but um like the and also the parents when they come home they're complaining about going to the movies and spending money and how the babysitter is making like 75 cents an hour and she's left the the mom's freaking out because she's left the dishes unwashed the tv on but the dad's all calm and everything finds the piece of chicken that she was eating and puts it back together with a rubber band and puts it back in the fridge but when they get upstairs to the body, you know, the mom's calm. She just looks in the trash bag, which is where the, the man is. And then the dad comes into the room and he freaks out when he sees the babysitter dead. But it's just. <laughs> I bet he does. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but overall, the movie itself is just it's just a good throwback to, yeah. to the 80s. And it's first ever spoof for yeah. a horror movie. Okay. And, you know, if you watch it, you clearly see screaming. Um Scary movie. And uh, what's that I I or actually had to look it? this up on Firestick, but you okay. can get out. You can you can rent it off of um, Prime. Okay. I think it's like three bucks. Okay. And then that's all for that one. Yeah. So the next movie is on is on Netflix. Uh, it came out November sixth of this year. It has a runtime of two hours and 31 minutes. And the director is <laughs> a Kono Afo Lan. Oh, you got this, man. I've got faith in you. And then starring, you have Jimmy Jean Luis, which is, or Jean Luis, as Professor Lucien Indiare. Every time I say it, I think I'm trying to say India Ari, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> But it's in diary, so it's similar. Yeah. Uh, Timmy Otidola as Moremi, and you have Bukunmi Aluwashina as Ozoamaki. So this is a Nigerian drama about uh, sexual assault on college campus. And it's based on real events, but they don't cite a real situation, so I think it's more of a general thing this is things that something that happens on campus even in place of work uh but you have a bright student in nigeria nigeria takes on the academic establishment when she reports a popular professor who tried to assault her um <clears throat> when the movie starts we're treated to a scene where a student is on the phone arguing with her professor over receiving a grade of an f and the teacher remarks he wants to have her grade changed, and there's something that she has to do for him. And he suggests she goes check in at one of the local hotels and meet her there, and then they can go from there about getting her grade changed. And instead of her reporting to the school what was going on, her boyfriend happens to decides to create a plan to embarrass the teacher and to beat him up. And their actions ultimately lead to him. him dying because he runs the street and gets hit by a car and because of their actions the the panel of the school um basically expels them and has all of their student records pretty much expunged you know so that's like no matter how good their grades are it's done they're done they gotta start all over um one of them happens to run away but it's, it's the it's the girl her boyfriend and two friends and one of the friends runs away but yeah, that's what happens to them. But then we flash forward two weeks later where our lead character, Moremi, is in the same situation where, you know, she has an only difference is she has brought this to the school's attention. And they're now going through like a, a Senate hearing to uh, prove that, you know, her cases where the presser has put her, her in that same situation where he attempted to assault her. But of course, it's her word against his and. He's like a well-respected professor, has all these accolades from these different schools, even works for the U.N. So right. it's going to be kind of hard for her to prove her case. And, um, you know, then it's a lot of time jumping here. So it's kind of yeah. kind of difficult piece in where certain things will happen. It took a minute to kind of, you know, adjust to that. But um, we see their first 
one-on-one encounter after he's introduced to the class and he basically gives a story that he, he doesn't know how to drive stick shift on his car and so um backstory on her she's uh she's 20 years old exceptionally intelligent and whatnot but she just knows how happens to know how to drive stick so she agrees to teach him and that's kind of how their inner it's kind of how their interaction is outside of school um <clears throat> and then we see more other moments of their interaction and even though they do appear innocent in nature you start to see where the teacher's kind of slick making advances towards her even to the point where they're discussing her paper he's giving her all kinds of you know accolades just saying that you know your paper is great and all this but then he starts dipping into her personal life by asking questions that he shouldn't ask um so close to me (laughs) right um even during the hearing you'll see when she's talking about her story the visuals we get are pretty much in line to what she's saying but whenever we see him telling the story compared to what he's saying the visuals we get are the opposite pretty much showing him that he's a liar but still the board is not you know they're still not quite on her side because some of the situations she's in they question like you know there's even a point where she ends up at his house but it just happens to party that everybody was there and she's she gets kind of left behind um overall i think the movie is it's good it's just yeah it's two hours and 30 minutes i think they should they could have dropped probably the full 30 minutes from this and maybe tightened up some of the the scenes because there's a few scenes that run long because they have a her, she has her 21st birthday that takes place at a concert that's at the school, and that just kind of drags on quite a bit. Um, yeah. The study group she's in, they take a trip to, um, they take a trip, and the scenes there kind of kind of drag on. But, you know, after you watch the whole thing and together, you see what they're trying to paint this picture about how their interaction is, and, you know, but it just, if they, if they cut 30 minutes, and just shorten those scenes. I think the movie would have ran a lot better as far as um, pacing. But overall, it does get its message across. It's not too preachy. It's just bringing forth, you know, that this happens. And a lot of women who do speak up, you know, of course, they, they have a hard time of proving their case, depending on the person they're going against, because if their right. reputation is what it is, then it makes it more difficult for them. <clears throat> Um, then the last movie I watched is an old movie from uh, 1997. It's weird because Wikipedia has it listed as releasing December 23rd, and IMDb says December 25th. So I don't know if maybe it's an early release and the official release was the 25th, or yeah, not sure. Um, as good as it gets, it's the movie that I watched probably like two or three years after it released, and I, I'd never finished it. But it has a runtime of two hours and 19 minutes. Uh, the director is James L. Brooks. Stars Jack Nicholson as Melvin. Helen Hunt as Carol. Greg Kinnear as Simon. Cuba Gooden Jr. as Frank. And then you have a couple of uh, cameos. Well, to me, I guess at the time, they, I don't know if they would have been considered cameos. But you have uh, Yardley Smith who plays Jackie. And her, uh, her character's last name just happens to be Simpson. And she also plays Lisa Simpson on The Simpsons. Right. So, um, you have Maya Rudolph, who has a small role as a policewoman. Yep. Uh, Jamie Kennedy plays a street hustler who is a part of um, assaulting Greg Kinnear's character, Simon. And then Shane Black appears as a cafe manager where Carol works. Um, for some notes, um, both Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt won Best Actor and Best Actress for this movie. Which I believe was the first time since um, I saw that since uh, Signs of the Lambs with um, Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins. Um, <clears throat> but I'm not gonna talk too much about it because I, I watched it last night, so I didn't get to write a lot of notes. But yeah, it's it's, it's it's a good, it's a good movie though that I definitely recommend if you haven't seen it to watch. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I've talked about on this on the, on the show before that 
Um, you know, I, I've talked about this movie before and how much I like it too, but I haven't watched it in a long time either. Um, but yeah, it is a good flick. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it, but I don't. I know it got a lot of buzz, and I don't remember all the awards it won because I'm a movie nerd, but I'm not that movie nerd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I'm not the guy that memorizes that memorizes who won what year and for what and you know who was nominated. I, I can't keep track. I'm not. Yeah, I just happened to look that I up know, before. <laughs> I, I've listened to people on other podcasts that are those people. I'm not yeah. that person. I remember yeah. stupid, stupid trivia. I don't remember like. I, I don't know. I don't remember stuff like that. I can't. My brain doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, Unless, I just like I, <clears throat> like I remember like ridiculous, just nonsensical trivia, like the fact that the fact that um the that Heath Ledger was the still currently is the last person to win an Academy Award posthumously. You know, yeah. since Peter Finch won for Network, whatever for whatever stupid reason that bit of trivia stuck in my brain and I you know won't go away. That's yeah. really about the only piece of Academy Award trivia I probably have other than the fact that Alfred Hitchcock never won an Oscar. Yeah. Once that it was like an honorary one, but that's he never won one for his for any of his movies, which still kills me. Um but yeah, stuff like that I remember. But other than that, you know Right. It's stuff like that's not gonna pop in my head. Yeah, I just happened to see that looking up before we started recording. And I was thought that was interesting. That no, it's always. Yeah. Yeah, I would. That wouldn't have been something I would have just stored in my memory bank. Yeah. Um. So I've got. I've got two current movies to talk about, and I've got two um, movies that I guess we could classify for our kids version i guess as a show <laughs> you know because we haven't really had anything lately and even for family movie night we didn't watch like a family movie we actually watched the first two episodes of the mandalorian for the season so i'm now still, caught up caught i still up. gotta watch the second episode yeah um so i'm now caught up so i, I so hooray for that um ruth was like uh well i haven't seen any of it i said well the first season's been out for like nine months or however long. I'm like, you've had time. I think it's, I think it's been a year now. <laughs> Has it been a year? I don't even know. I think so. <laughs> okay. Well, she's had time. So I'm like, well, I can't help you if you haven't. You won't be lost. You won't be that lost, you know, no. by, you know, if you haven't seen it. So you'll be, you'll be okay. So, <laughs> um, so the first one I'm going to talk about is um, when I looked on my Hulu Q. There we go. Did it better that time. Second time to better. Um, I uh, wanted to do. I've, I wanted to watch one of Bong Joon Ho's uh, older movies since uh, Parasite and everything. But, yeah. So I ended up watching The Host, which is his third um, feature film. So you uh, you had fun butchering names. Now it's my turn. Um, All right. So the host is a, from 2006 with a runtime of two hours. It's about a monster that emerges from Seoul's Han River and begins attacking people. One victim's love and family does what it can to rescue her from its clutches. So as we, for people that have watched Parasite, they know it's about class structure, but done in a horror comedy, horror with comedy in it, I guess, kind of way. Yeah. And this one is more it's the class there's a lot of social commentary on class in this one as well. Um it's not as visually and metaphorically prevalent <laughs> as par- as it is in Parasite. Um but uh it is definitely in it. So it does star um Kang Ho Song as Park Gang Du. Um, he was in Snowpiercer. Uh, he Bong Byun as Park Hai Bong, and uh, Hey Il Park as Park Nam Il. And then Duna Bay, who was also in Snowpiercer, 
as uh, Park Namju and Ko Asong as Park Hyun Seo. There we go. I think I did. Yeah, I did. All right. All right. Um, thank you. Um, so basically what happens is at the beginning of the film, and this kind of goes into part of the trivia of it, too. So the, the, the event described in the beginning of the film is based on an actual event in February of 2000 at a U.S. military facility located in the center of Seoul, a U.S. Um, military civilian employee named Mr. McFarland, which that sounds like a made up name. <laughs> if you ask me. Um, yeah, Mr. McFarland had uh, was ordered to dispose of formaldehyde by dumping it into the sewer system that led to the Han River, despite the objection of the South Korean subordinate. The government attempted to prosecute Mr. McFarland in court, but the U.S. military refused to hand over the custody of Mr. McFarland to the South Korea legal system. Later, a South Korean judge convicted Mr. McFarland in absentia, basically in his absence. There we go. Uh, The public was enraged at the government's inability to enforce its law on its own soil. In 2005, nearly five years after the original incident, Mr. McFarlane was finally found guilty in a court in his presence. However, he never served the prison sentence, and there have been no sightings of a mutant creature in the Han River yet. They added it yet. I didn't didn't even add that. That was actually already added. So it's pretty interesting. That's basically how the movie starts, that... Couple of scientists dump chemical, you know, somebody, one guy ordered another person to dump chemicals down the drain, knowing with, you know, with a, he was ordered, but he also tried to express his concerns about where it was going and he said, don't care, dump it. And so all these hazardous chemicals are being dumped down the drain. That's going to go into the river, which of course will be used. I'm sure it's drinking water filtration at some point. Right. Contaminating the water, which then causes this creature, you know, I guess the li- the uh, the animals in, within the uh, river to be contaminated. And then basically Ninja Turtles that mutates into this monster. That's the best way that I can describe it. Yeah. And yeah. This, this family that owns this... Uh, this food stand more or less at the beach you know right by the Hun river um basically a father that's fairly lazy his dad that owns the stand um the lazy one ends up has a younger daughter this thing this beast just jumps out of the water and starts killing and attacking people and then uh he goes to grab his daughter as they run and flee and and she trips and falls, as you do in horror movies, and, and or comedies, one of the two. Um, and they fall, and they get up, and then they start, he grabs the hand, you know, he's not looking, he just grabs the hand and goes and starts running, and the next thing he sees is that he sees another person, um, uses the, you know, he looks back, it's not his sister, or I mean, it's not his daughter, it's yeah. somebody else. So they're having to, so he sees, he looks back and sees her still trying to get up, and then the creature grabbing her by his tail, and then jumping into the water. And then the entire, and then so essentially goes on lockdown. You know, as if it were like a, I don't know, it's a good example I could use, like a pandemic. I don't know, not yeah. that any of that would happen around here. Um <laughs> nor would we have any understanding of what that would be like um but a full walk but it ends up being a full lockdown and they um and so they're they think that the government seems to think that this family that the little the little girl's family has something to do with it so Mm -hmm. they start running you know they think they've been contaminated so they're running tests and stuff like that they're isolating them from everybody else that is in this lockdown running tests yeah. on the dad um that are not necessarily legal um 
Meanwhile, the rest of the family is trying to find a way to find where she's at, try and find this monster killer to find, see if they can save her. Yeah. Is, and uh, it's very interesting because, you know, it's a horror movie. It's a monster movie. But it's still one of the things Bon Joon-ho does is at the heart of it, it's about family. Right. Kind of like a fat, kind of like a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> okay, I couldn't do that with straight face. <laughs> Fam- but it's, it's family. about family. Family. You're gonna turn yeah. your back. We don't turn our back on family. Yeah. Uh, so we do and then don't. <laughs> yeah, and we do and then don't. Right, right. Um. So it's about that, but it's also this one, as opposed to just trying to focus on like how Parasite does with, with the two classes, the upper class and the lower class. This mm-hmm. one focuses on like environmentalism, like how we take care of our earth and how we expect it to then treat us <laughs> right. after we treat it poorly, you know, and, and about uh, bringing more awareness to taking care of our environment, taking care of each other so that we don't wind up in the pan, you know, in this type of state where everybody's being held, being having been held on the lockdown because of a monster. Yeah. And a mutated one at that. So it's a very Bong Joon-ho movie in the sense that you can see where he's doing so much with a horror, you know, with a monster movie, you know. Um, <clears throat> he uh, So some trivia about it is that they, he co-wrote and directed the movie, and he designed the creature, which he nicknamed Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Based on the actor's oh, screen Lord. persona and the way he acted in Fargo. As of March 2009, this is the highest grossing film to date in South Korea, which I'm sure Parasite has now beat. Yeah. Um, selling a total of 13 million tickets. That means that over 20% of the South Korean population watched the movie, although there were some uh, who went to see it several times. The film was such a cultural phenomenon that a statue of the film's creature was eventually erected on the bank of the Han River. So it'd be the equivalent to Detroit putting up the statue of Robocop. Dang. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. That's what it made me think. I was like, oh, it's like when Detroit spent 50 grand, I think. No, I think it was more than that. They spent a hell of a lot more than that um, on having a Robocop statue erected. I'm like, Y'all ain't got any money. What are y'all doing spending it on on a Robocop statue? That's not bringing the city back, y'all. But all right, I mean, it'll make me want to go up there and have my picture taken with it. I'm not saying that I'm against that. I'm just saying. Um, but uh, one thing, Bon Joon-ho also mentioned that he, because he designed all the creature's movements, uh, he said it, he compared it to trying to direct an actor. You know, trying to, their movements and how they act. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the crew of the film used metal barrels to make a splash, make the splash effects whenever the monster would dive into the water. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, yeah, definitely worth a watch. It's on Hulu. Kind of silly not to watch it. If you can, it's a good monster movie. Um, it's yeah. like the promo six. Of course, it's subtitled, but I would definitely recommend it to anyone that's wanting to watch it that enjoys his work. Or a monster movie. And if you haven't seen it, I would de- totally just recommend watching it. So that's what I've got for the host. Um, I'm going to move on to one of our, one of the two Disney movies that I watched that um, one is from 1969, starring Kurt Russell, the very young Kurt Russell. And the other one's from 1978, which was a year after I was born. So, um, So the first one I'm going to talk about is the computer wore tennis shoes from 1969. Stars. Oh, hold on. It stars, of course, like I said, uh, Kurt Russell and and Cesar Romero, which most people will. Know from you know the one episode where he dated Sophia and the Golden Girls. Okay, he did that too. But most people <laughs> know him as the Joker from the 1966 um, Batman. And 
But I thought I'd make that observation as well. Yeah. It's, it also stars Joe Flynn as the dean, as Dean Higgins. Um, <clears throat> Alan, let's see, Alan Hewitt, Frank Webb, Michael McGreevy, John, Frank Welker, who most people know from his voice acting on Scooby-Doo and literally a hundred, not hundreds of other voice credits. Um, but yeah, he uh, he's in it, and so does Kurt Russell's dad, Bing Russell, also stars as one of Cesar Romero's henchmen. So the Computer War Tennis Shoes is an hour and 31 minutes long. Uh, basically, uh, it's about uh, this kid who has an accident with a donut um, with a donated computer that gives a uh, hold on. At Medfield College, an accident with a donated computer gives Dexter Riley the ability to remember any knowledge learned instantly and perfectly. So he's basically this. Basically, if I were to have an accident with a computer, it make me smart because it takes a person that was a BC student and makes them the smartest person out there. Okay. And of course, since it's 1969, the computer takes up an entire room. You know, it's right. Not, in the palm of your hand. Um, so they put him on this quiz, you know, basically this quiz uh, team, and they have to, you know, they because the dean wants him to be on it and compete against all these other colleges because they uh, they could possibly they could win a hundred thousand dollars. So for yeah. the college, of course. So, of course, $100,000 in 1969 is a heck of a lot more than it is here, you know, than it is in 2020. So that's um, so they keep trying to get him to learn all these things. Well, he gets roped up in the mob because one of the people that's actually a financier or person that donates money to the college mm-hmm. um, that actually donated the computer is uh, A.J. Arno, which is Cesar Romero's character, but it, we later find out uh, is in with the mo- is basically a mob person. So he has his own gang of people, and uh, they rig, you know, like gambling and stuff like that. They rig horse races and all that. And so it's it's a fun movie. So he's trying to basically use Kurt Russell for to win bets and stuff right <laughs> as you do as you do <laughs> and obviously he doesn't want to do it and yeah it's uh it's a fun movie it's so over the top cheesy and just ham-handed uh, i mean it's fun it's just a fun movie just to put on and just let it wash over you yeah because you know it's all kinds of ridiculous but that's the whole point I mean, because what else are you expecting from a movie called The Computer War Tennis Shoes? Right. So, <clears throat> but it was a lot of fun. I forgot to mention William uh, Showert, um is also in it. He plays Professor Quigley. Most people know him as Gidget's dad from the TV show Gidget. Okay. And, uh, I mean, that's actually where I, I was like, oh, it's Gidget's dad. And I I don't even know why I know that much less than anything else. Um, but yeah. Um, so this movie was the first in the Dexter Riley movies. It's a trilogy of three high concept Disney fantasy comedies starring Kurt Russell as Dexter with Joe Flynn and Cesar Romero. These films were set in Medfield, Medfield College where a scientific breakthrough would lead to hijinks. They were the computer wore tennis shoes, which is robotics, human computers. Now you see him, now you don't from 1972, which is invisibility. And the strongest man in the world, 1975, which is about super strength. So um, I'm not sure if now you see him, now you don't is on um, is on Disney Plus because I haven't come across it yet. But I do know that The Strongest Man in the World is, and I've actually got it on my queue, so I'm going to watch that at some point. Okay. Um, the name of the educational institute was Medfield College. The campus setting also fe- featured in other Disney films, 
such as um, this movie's sequels, uh, Now You See Him, Now You Don't, The Strongest Man in the World, as well as the earlier The Absent-Minded Professor and its sequel, Son of Flubber. Um, Kurt Russell gets to start with his real-life father being Russell in the film, being plays one of the gangster uh, Cesar Romero's henchmen. So that is uh, Peter War Tennis Shoes. It's a lot of fun for everybody. It's definitely a good family film. It's, yeah, it's very lighthearted um, and just fun, especially when things are kind of, it's especially funny um, or a good movie to put on because, you know, when things are not so fun in reality. <laughs> right. Um, so this is a good one. Uh, the next one I watched, I actually watched this yesterday. Grace and, and I got up a little bit earlier. Um, so we watched this one. I put it on. And it is The Cat from Outer Space from 1978, also on Disney+. Plus. It's an hour of, it's a runtime of one hour, 44 minutes, starring, starring Ken Berry, which I know him more from Mama's Family than anything else. Um, but he was also in, uh, was it, I think it's F Troop. That sounds right. Um, Sandy Duncan's also in it. Harry Morgan, which most people know from MASH. I also know from Dragnet. Uh, Roddy McDowell, which everyone knows from Planet of the Apes. Uh, McQueen Stevenson, who was also on MASH. Um, Jesse White, Alan Young, Hans Conried, uh, Ronnie Schnell, and uh, James Hampton, which I know as the dad from Teen Wolf. <laughs> okay. The original, yeah. Um, so it's about... Three scientists help an alien feline stranded on Earth to repair its damaged spacecraft in order to return home, but their efforts are hampered by inept army officials and foreign spies. I remember seeing this video case in the video store when I was a kid, but never watched it. Um, And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to follow it around to watch this. And I thought this was just a lot of fun. Yeah. It was cute. I mean, I wouldn't say it was perfect. <laughs> uh, was, that was bad. That was that was. Bad. I apologize. I apologize for that one, everybody. <laughs> I, I apologize. Um, Jake the cat was played by uh, two different Abysnian cats, uh, Rumple and his sister Amber. Um, in reality, Cindy Duncan is actually allergic to cats, so that's fun. Um, yeah, uh, so it's the last Disney film to involve actor Hans Conried. The arguably best-known role of his career was that of Captain Hook and George Darwin in the Peter Pan animated movie. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, Ken Berry and James Hampton were both in uh, F Troop together. So that I did have that correct. But yeah, this movie's just a lot of fun. I mean, Ken Berry plays a scientist who's uh, the cat stumbles into his office after you know his ship landed, yeah. and uh, the cat can can speak because he has his collar that lights up, and it basically speaks telepathically, so you don't see the cat's mouth move at all. Right. You just hear the voiceover, and uh, when the when his collar lights up, that's when he uses its powers. So, like, levitational or, you know, m- some sort of mind control type thing. Um, he can make people stop in their tracks. So, it would be like you hit the pause button on a remote on somebody. Yeah. Uh, he could do that. So, he's got a lot of cool powers and stuff. Um, so, they have to... It's, so, it's basically just a bunch of hijinks to try and get this cat's ship repaired and uh and also kind of throw off the government or the military and uh these spies that are trying to get you know trying to get the cat also or trying to figure out the secrets you know um as to why this alien ship landed and how it got here but yeah this one a lot of fun i would definitely recommend this as well if you like um those kind of just family, old family, Disney family movies. Um, this is perfect. If you're looking for something on a movie night or something, 
I yeah. would recommend it. It's cute. It's, I mean, and that's the one thing I, I like about these Disney movies. They're dated. Like the the intro music, you know, the intro title sequence for for uh, the Computer War Ten issues is so 60s. You know, and the you know thing yeah. with the different colors and the very yeah, it's very. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Um, both these movies are kind of are you know a product of their time, but they're also like the special effects wise are actually done really well for for that time period. And I really enjoy it, especially uh, the cat from outer space <clears throat> with um, <clears throat> with special effects they had then. It's very well done. All right, so the last movie I'm going to talk about is The Wolf of Snow Hollow. I remember posting the trailer for this and thinking this is going to be just like a crazy movie. So when I saw that it was available on iTunes Durant, I decided to go ahead and watch it and yeah. spend a few dollars on it. It's also available on Amazon Prime and all other VOD formats. It came out this year, um, hour and 23 minutes long, so not super long. Mm-hmm. It's about a long. yeah yeah it's not long at all um <laughs> not even ninety minutes <laughs> basically it's about terror that grips a small mountain town as bodies are discovered after each full moon losing sleep raising a teenage daughter and caring for his alien father Officer Marshall struggles to remind himself there is no such thing as werewolves. So, how do I talk about this movie? <laughs> it's over the top. And, and So, Jim Cummings plays John Marshall. He's got very over-the-top acting going, like, almost like Nick Cage over the top. Okay. As far as his acting. It's... He's not a very likable character, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you you try and sympathize with him because his father, played by Robert Forster, in which this is also Robert Forster's last film um, before he passed. Uh, Robert Forster plays the sheriff, and uh, he's you know he's getting sick, and you can tell he's got something going on but trying not to show it trying to show up for work especially with all yeah. the killings going on he's trying to just work through it more or less um so it's a horror movie definitely because it's got the gore of you know you don't really see a whole lot of it though you see the blood and everything but you don't really don't see like the body parts and or the what's left of it you just see you can see the blood in the snow and stuff like that blood in the snow yeah. blood in the snow oh wait Sorry, that's blood in the sand. Sorry, wrong, <laughs> wrong joke. Um, anyways, uh, you can see the blood in the snow, but nothing, not not really anything else. So it's yeah. gory, but it's not. I don't know. Like for me, I wasn't like, oh, this is gross, or this is a bit much, because you know, because I don't like gore, which is one of the things about horror movies. I don't, you know, it kind of turns me off of them. And yeah. so the fact that that didn't bother me should kind of help, you know help some people that are thinking about watching this and are like me that don't like all that. But it is, uh, it's, he doesn't really believe in werewolves. A couple of the other guys that work with him do or are trying to say, well, it could be because it's full moon. And, you know, these right. wounds are, are not human, you know, um, and everything. And so they're trying to convince him. He's yelling at them more or less. And, he doesn't have a very good relationship with his daughter. Um, he's seen yelling at her too, but then apologizing, but then it, you kind of feel like it's not really that sincere. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. It's, I don't Like I said, he's not a super likable character, so I don't, not sure the choice on that one. Um, but he's determined to find out who's doing all these killings. Uh, Ricky Winholm's in it, who I love from Garfunkel and Oates. In other comedies, um, she's done a couple of dramatic and, you know, kind of horror movies. Uh, she plays Detective Julia Robson, who really, I don't 
think it's enough to do in this because I think she could do so much more. And it's just not really offered to her. So kind of wish she had a bigger role. Um, but you're kind of wondering, left, not. You do see the werewolf in this movie. Uh, mostly in shadows and stuff like that, um, or at least far enough away. So you're not, you, so it leads you to believe that, you know, of course, it's not just someone in a costume or whatever. Right. And committing all these, you know, killings and everything. It never explains, like, whether or not the killings have any sort of connection to anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're targeted. Like, they're legit, seems like they're random. They're just random killings. Um, and that's kind of the one thing I think I had the problem with, other than the main characters, the main characters, uh, not being super likable, but I guess that you don't have to like them, but it does help to have your protagonist be likable. That's kind of what makes you want to root for them. Um, but I guess the, what makes you want to root for him is just that you want him to catch the killer, I guess. And then everything else about his character is... I guess, okay, you just accept because he's trying to always catch the killer. Um, and then the ending was okay. I didn't really like the payoff a whole lot. Um, I still enjoyed it because there are some funny parts in this. And it's, I don't think it's like, I don't think the tone's mismatched. I just think it, tries too hard, I guess is a better way to put it. Like, it yeah. it succeeds as a horror movie because it has all those elements. It has the build-up to suspense. It has the execution, literally and, you know, metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But it, where, you know, the comedies in there, it's, it just seems like it's a little... It just seems like it doesn't... Sometimes it doesn't fit. You know what I mean? But you definitely go, wow, this is a little... I was like, all right, I see what they're trying to do. It's not trying to take itself seriously. It is a little campy. Um, So you kind of accept that part. You know, when the jokes just don't super land, it's kind of campy. Um, Mm -hmm. So I didn't didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. I thought it was just okay. Okay. Um, I think it's at like 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think I saw, but yeah. I'm like, I want to give it a try because it looks, you know, it's different. And, you know, I guess I've now had a, uh, a string now of two weeks in a row talking about a wolf, a werewolf <laughs> since. Uh, True. So I'm like, oh, well, was, I guess that's two of them. Um, next week, I don't, as far as I know, I'm not going to. Um, but yeah, and that's a uh, wolf of snow hollow. It's not bad. I mean, it's, if it were on Netflix or Prime or something like a streaming service, yeah, it'd yeah. probably be worth checking out. Um, but r- renting it, you could probably wait, or at least wait till Redbox. Um, not pay the five or six dollars I did, but it it was uh, it was still entertaining. It's just, I guess the way the you know the Wolf of Snow Hollow, it's a bit much. <laughs> a bit much. Ah. <laughs> uh. Not the review I think they want, but I mean it's maybe it is. I don't know. Um, yeah. Again, I didn't dislike it, but I didn't love it either. So. so you're kind of yeah, in the middle. I yeah, I enjoyed the other three movies I talked about more. So. And. Uh, yeah, man. I guess that's what I got for this week. And kind of divvied it up. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, and. Um, we didn't like I was saying earlier. We don't have much for trailers, man. Uh, if you haven't noticed, going up on Disney Plus, I don't have a date yet because I haven't found it. Um, they're doing a Lego Star Wars holiday special, so they're taking the OG Star Wars special and then giving it a giving it a Legos twist. Yeah, so it's anything could be more entertaining than the original, which can be found on YouTube. If you look at oh, you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. Okay, yeah. I haven't. I, I was I was curious if they would ever put that on Disney Plus, but they're probably just like, no. We, uh, we're trying to ignore that one still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it is 
you could watch the entire thing, but I think it's divvied up in parts, like part okay. one, four, two or four, three or four. Yeah. Okay. I made it to the B. Arthur cooking with a Wookiee, and I was done. I was like, I think I'm good. I, uh, oof. The what do they call it? World Day or some? Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like a Kashyyyk uh, Wookiee celebration thing, and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm good. Watching the Wookiees yell at each other and the Wookiee talk. Yeah. I'm good. I guess you couldn't necessarily call it a cash grab. It was more just taking advantage of the Star Wars name. and Yeah. 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 I do. You know what I would like for Disney Plus to put up? So do you remember um, when they did the... It might have even been on ABC, to be honest. When they... Because you know Disney used to do Sunday nights. They, they would have like... What do they call it? Disney's some World of Disney or something like that, and they would have like a Disney TV movie or whatever, mm-hmm. or maybe put on. Well, the Brat Patrol was one of them, which is one of my all-time favorites. And another one they did that I really liked was called Secret Agent Man with uh, Michael McKeon playing a secret agent, and his family discover. I think his family discovers it's been thirty years, thirty-five years probably. Right. Oof. Or you know, maybe a little bit less, but not much. Easily 30 plus years. Um, anyways, what they used to do where they did the two Ewok movies with the kids yeah. and stuff like that. I wish they would put those on Disney Plus because I'd like to go back and watch, rewatch those. The Ewok movies? Yeah. Yeah. I know I know. I was, when I was listening to um, Nicole Byers' um, mm-hmm. podcast when they were t- going back and watching all the Star yes. Wars movies, they, they covered those two. And... Um, yeah, the way they, because I hadn't seen them, but the way they talked about the movies, it kind of piqued my interest. Yeah, no, so, they're interesting. Yeah. And I loved them when I was younger, but, I mean, when you're a kid, you love all the Ewok stuff. Right, But, yeah. I mean, watching it now, maybe I might not, I might be a little more bored by them, but I remember as a kid, I enjoyed them. Even if it doesn't have, even I think Wicked might be in it, but that's, like, it. Otherwise, it's, like, other Ewoks that you get to know and these, like, three humans or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I vaguely remember, but I'm like, that would, you know, I'd rather rewatch those in a Star Wars Christmas special. That's just me. So, all right, man. Um, so we've got, um, so that's the only trailer we got. Um, I think the only thing we got upcoming is, um, Jason Voorhees' favorite days coming up this Friday, Friday the yeah. 13th, or, uh, as Ruth and I call it, 13th anniversary, because uh, every Friday the 13th we celebrate, because that's when we met when we first started dating, was uh, Friday the 13th. It's so weird. And so we just celebrate, because they're not that frequent, so True. we just celebrate all of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. So we having a 13th anniversary Friday. Oh, speaking of which, I almost forgot to tell the story. Ah. We'll tell this, and then we'll sign off. All right. Um. So I get woken up this morning um, by laughter, which, you know, is fine. I just assumed my daughter woke up early and then said something to Ruth and then, you know, hilarity ensued or whatever. So then she wakes me up. Ruth does. My daughter, uh, Grayson's still asleep. And it turns out that, uh, excuse me, and then it turns out that, hey, uh, you know what? Ha- you know what just happened? I go, what? She goes, so I went to go put my shirt on, right? I said, yeah. Um, well, then I was having problems putting my shirt on. So, okay, why? Well, it turns out the hanger was still in the shirt, and I'm trying to figure out why my shirt won't won't go over my head, and it's because the hanger's still in in, in the shirt. Yeah. And then I'm trying to figure this out, and then the hanger then the hanger uh, hits me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I said, so I'm like, you know, very groggy going. She's laughing. I'm very groggy going. So what you're trying to say is that it's Monday. (laughs) (laughs) She goes, yes, pretty much. Yep. (laughs) I said, well, try not to get too hung up on it. And then, boom. That was the end of that one. Yeah. Yeah. So she's already on the struggle bus. I go, did you remember to take your glasses off before going in the shower this time? She goes, I don't know. I can't see. I said, so probably not. <laughs> so that's how her day started. And 
I told her that I was so glad that she actually did wake me up to tell me, especially on a Monday. I said, because it's going to be fresh in my head, and I'll remember to talk about it when we record today. <laughs> fresh, a fresh Monday story. <laughs> She's like, you're not. I'm like, oh, I'm totally going to. That's hilarious. So, and then she started laughing. So that's how she wouldn't be. We don't get offended around our house very easily. So we just learned to laugh at a lot of things. So. All right, man. I, uh, that's With that story, I guess that's all I got. Uh, for today, how about you? Uh, I got nothing more. <laughs> nothing more, huh? No, nothing uh-huh. more. All right, man. Well, I guess in that case, for myself, Jeff Hall, and my amazing co-host, Patrick Terry, <laughs> I guess we will talk to y'all next week. Have a safe Friday the thirteenth. Yes. Stay out. Stay out of the woods. <laughs> Don't have sex. <laughs> or virgin. Especially if you're a virgin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that that part. (laughs) That part.